Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings on this Thursday from Studio B on Airline Drive, right here at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. This is your podcast to fans, and we're pleased to uh, have a good show for you today. Uh, my name is Sean Kelly, and uh, we're certainly going to continue our conversation today about Super Bowl 44 with two big-time guests, and we'll also recap last night's uh, Pelicans game, unfortunately a loss to the Thunder, the end of the six-game homestand, and uh, look forward again to uh, the Thunder again tomorrow, but that uh, matchup will take place in Oklahoma City. Yeah, a little disappointing last night. Uh, no Kevin Durant, uh, but Russell Westbrook made up for that. He had tied his career high last night scoring 45 points on the Pelicans. You could kind of see the absence of Drew Holiday more than any other time in the, in the past 11 games that he's missed. Uh, just because Holiday seems to, to do well in a matchup with Russell Westbrook. Uh, and so with no Holiday last night, uh, Westbrook uh, just went nuts and uh, basically carried the uh, Thunder to a win. They needed it. Uh, they now are a game above 500 at 25 and 24. The Pelicans... Now with that four and two homestand or twenty six and twenty three, and you want to talk about tight right now uh, in the Western Conference uh, in that battle for the last playoff spot. It kind of works like this: Phoenix still holds the eighth spot. They now have a game and a half lead on the Pelicans, and then a game behind the Pelicans uh, is Oklahoma City. So that's how this shapes up. Phoenix, by the way, is on national television tonight. They play Portland, uh, so go Blazers at this point. And then tomorrow is the series finale between the Pelicans and the Thunder. So a couple things uh, on the line there. Number one, you want to win the game and therefore win the season series three games to one. That would take care of a possible tiebreak situation. But number two, um, it would get you back to a two-game separation between nine and ten. And and look, uh, both of those teams, the Thunder and the Pelicans, play more home games than away games the rest of the way. Both teams certainly play better at home, and, and so tomorrow night is, a, is I think, probably, I don't want to uh, go crazy here, but um, I guess I guess you'd have to label it as a big game with regard to last night. Pelicans just fell, fell flat in the uh, second half. They got a lead up to 11 in the third quarter, and then 
and then eventually uh, saw that chip get chipped away. Uh, Pelicans trailed by one to start the fourth and go on to lose last night, 102 to 91. Sold out crowd last night. Nice job, guys. Uh, Pelicans fans are really stepping up right now, and uh, we'll need more of that. The good news is this. You've got three more home games before the All-Star break. Um, after this road game on Friday, you're back home to face the Bulls on Saturday night. That's a 6 o'clock tip. And then next week before the All-Star break, um, I probably don't have the order correct here, but it's Indiana and Utah before you uh, take the All-Star break. Uh, Daniel's telling me to flip that. So Utah and then Indiana. Okay, that's Monday and Wednesday. And tickets are still available uh, for all three of the remaining home games before the All-Star break. Uh, when we uh, get past our first timeout here, we'll hear from head coach Monty Williams after last night's game, and we'll take you inside the Pelicans locker room as well. On the football front, uh, we will talk to Jonathan Vilma today and Jonathan Stinchcomb. The two Jonathans are going to uh, share some of their stories from Super Bowl 44. We've been doing this all week long. It has proved to be highly entertaining uh, to get the players' perspective some five years later. Um, you know, there was so much written and recorded um, after the big win, Super Bowl 44 for the world champs, um, that you think you know, but maybe you don't. And so this week we've learned a little bit more about the experience uh, for the players uh, from five years ago. So we're going to continue that conversation today. And uh, these two guys on the show today share uh, some pretty cool stuff. It'll be good. It'll be good. All right, so with that, we'll take our first time out. When we come back, we'll uh, – we'll, uh, hear from coach Williams and others with regards to the Pelicans and then we'll uh, jump into our Super Bowl interviews uh, shortly thereafter. I'm Sean Kelly glad you're with us here today on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans this is the Black and Blue Report. In New Orleans food is more than a passion it's a tradition and Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool, collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... <coughs> not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Last night, the Pelicans had one, two, uh, three, four, four and double figures last night, but it was kind of an off night for your quote-unquote big three, if you will. Anthony Davis did have 23 points, but he was 9 of 21 shooting, uh, single-digit rebounds, and just one block for Davis last night. Eric Gordon had his first off night in a while, three for 12, shooting seven points, um, and also had to play with five fouls. He was the primary defender on Westbrook last night. And then Tyreek Evans uh, was 5 of 20, only had 11 points. Um, and so a lot of those misses came in the second half, and that's when they fell flat and the ball game got away from New Orleans. Here's head coach Monty Williams following the loss last night to the Thunder. Coach, you had him down 11 there in the third, and then you just seemed to just, I mean, fall flat for you guys tonight. Yeah, we had a... 
tough stretch where we couldn't score the ball. Um, scored 34 points in the second half. You know, we had a low turnover night. Um, neither team got to the free throw line much. Uh, we tied on the boards. We just couldn't make a shot. And um, that, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, but I, I thought they brought um, a tad bit more effort than we had. Um, and not that we didn't play hard, but we didn't play um, the kind of basketball that it takes to make plays, especially down the stretch. You know, we had a costly turnover and gave them a layup. We, the ball didn't move tonight like it typically has been for the past week, but I thought they brought a great deal of force, especially in the paint. They had 66 points in the paint. Nobody does that against our defense. Coach, you may have hinted at the next answer, um, but to go that final like 530, yeah. 535 without a point, that, yeah. that seems like, uh, I don't want to call it dysfunctional, but with the way that your team has moved the ball yeah. here of late and everything else, not, nothing to go in, not even a free throw. It seems it's just almost incredible. Yeah, we and we shot a lot of jump shots, and then the shots we did have, have around the paint uh, didn't fall for us. And I thought there was a couple times we could have got off the ball. Um, we had a couple guys open. But guys made kind of plays in games past, and we just didn't make them tonight. And so that kind of stuff happens. Defensively, I thought um, Russell just had his way with us tonight, uh, whether it was coming off screens or just knocking down shots. We didn't have an answer for him. The way that Holiday's played him in the past, do yeah. you sit here and say, man, tonight we missed Drew Holiday? Yeah, everybody kind of thinks that way, but we don't have him, and we haven't had him, and we beat some really good teams. So uh, we can't use that as an excuse. we got to regroup. Uh, tomorrow's a big day for us, how we approach practice and get ready to play these guys again on their floor. Uh, it's going to be a crazy crowd. We're just going to have us, and that's it, and we got to stop those guys. When you look at the film, I mean, it, it seems it almost seems opportunistic for you now to play that same team right out again and show them what they did to you tonight. Yeah, I think our guys know for the most part. Uh, they played in our paint all night long, and you know, the stats say that they they don't shoot the ball well outside of 15 feet, and they got 66 points in the paint. So whether it was in transition or out of face action, DHO, or pick and roll, they were in our paint. So we got to work on that and be ready to play in a couple days. Coach, you finished your longest homestand 4-2. and two. Yeah. Um, it, Are you pleased with the 4-2, and two, or does a, a night like this kind of take the luster off a little bit? No, I'm, I'm pleased with how we've played at home. And we've this is a tough stretch. It's not like we played. Uh, below 500 teams night in and night out. We played some of the best teams in the NBA. And so I'm pleased with that. Obviously, this loss stings um, a ton, but we did a good job of uh, taking care of home court. Coach, thanks as always. Thank you. That interview, of course, aired on the Pelicans radio network. Uh, meanwhile, inside the locker room, our staff was able to catch up with Quincy Pondexter. Uh, Quincy had a thought or two about uh, how the overall homestand went. It was a six-game homestand and the kind of the stinging loss to Oklahoma City. We're, we're playing well. We're playing better than um, we were in the past. And, um, you know, it's, it's not all going to be solved and win every game um, the rest of the season. You know, we know we have work to do. It's going to be um, a long road, a long um, battle to get to the playoffs. And we're right there in the thick of things. Um, we're still up in, against OKC. So um, it's going to be fine for us. Uh, we got to defend a little bit better, and uh, we didn't make many shots in the second half, so we have to knock those down. Um, I'm going to have to watch the film um, and, and see other ways that we can execute better and, and do better things. But, you know, uh, I like the way we fought for for a lot of the game, but it's a 48-minute game, and um, it wasn't won at halftime. And, you know, we got to find a way to chip away and, and get the win next time. 
All right, same two teams tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Um, we'll see if Kevin Durant plays tomorrow night. He stayed home in Oklahoma City while the Thunder were here last night, um, and I'm sure that will probably be, well, I wouldn't say a game-time decision, but we won't know anything more until tomorrow. Uh, tonight at 8 on uh, the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network, it's the Monty Williams Show. It's uh, yours from 8 until 8.30, and we'll have another uh, note about that before we get out of here today on the Black and Blue Report. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump back into our Super Bowl 44 Memories Series, our commemoration of the five-year anniversary of the Saints World Championship. Jonathan Vilma is with us in just a moment. Join us this Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as your New Orleans Pelicans face off against Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls. Pelicans Fest starts at 4.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans dance team. The first 3,000 lucky kids will receive a Pelicans mini basketball, the second giveaway in our Year of the Red Uniform series. Tickets start as low as $25, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Mardi Gras is just around the corner, and Shreveport Bossier City invites you to experience Mardi Gras in the Arklatex, starting with the Crew of Centaur Parade on Saturday, February 7th. Cap it off with the Crew of Gemini Parade on Saturday, February 14th. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Our conversation continues with regards to Super Bowl 44 as we commemorate five years now since the World Championship for the New Orleans Saints. We couldn't have the conversation without including Jonathan Vilma, that's for sure. Uh, Jonathan, how are you? And, uh, and thanks again for doing this for us. No, I'm doing well. No problem, Sean. Anytime. Can you? This is, I think, the first question I've asked everybody. Can you believe it's been five years? Time flies, man. Time flies. You know, I I do remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we had a, a hell of a run. It was a lot of fun. I still remember, you know, the weeks, the preparation, and uh, you know, we we were always hoping to do it again. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it done. You, you guys were close, that's for sure. And and, and I think that after now. Having been close and also having won it, there may be few people around that can truly appreciate how hard it is to put together a Super Bowl campaign. Oh, it definitely is. It's, it's very hard. You have to be, one, good. Uh, you have to be cohesive. You have to be functional. And then, of course, you have to get a little lucky sometimes. I mean, look at that Washington game. You, you, who would have thought that the guy misses a chip shot? We're going to overtime, win the game. And, you know, we needed that game to get the one seed and play Minnesota at our home instead of playing up in Minnesota. So, you know, just little things like that when when I reflect on the season and you always wonder, man, what if the ball had bounced this way? What if what if we had done this? And, you know, fortunately everything worked out well for us and we ended up winning it all. Jonathan, did you guys believe in luck? I mean, okay, you want to look at it that way and say, hey, look, we got a couple lucky bounces or or whatnot. And and if you all did, how did you how did you deal with it? How did you roll with something like that? Yeah, well, you know, we didn't believe in luck. We we really just believed in in routine. So we kept the same routine week in week out. Uh, even when we got to the playoffs and we got to uh, 
you know, the divisional NFC championship game, the Super Bowl, we believed in trusting in our routine, trusting in our preparation. And, you know, we thought that that was what was providing us the quote unquote luck if we needed it, you know, throughout the season. So uh, we worked hard, we practiced hard, we had a lot of fun together, and then we ended up winning a lot of games. Jonathan, with regard to your days at the University of Miami or your pre-pro career prior to the Saints, as you remember, you signed as a free agent, I think, in, in the spring of before that season. Um, what was different about that routine that you're speaking of than perhaps you'd experienced before in your playing career? Well, at Miami, when, when I was playing there, we were so talented. Our routine was to go as hard as we could and practice against each other because the game would be a lot easier. You know, and we had the talent level to do that, and we would face other teams that just weren't uh, as talented as we were. When you get to the NFL, you know, every team is talented. You have a few standout athletes, and then for the most part, it's about who prepared the most, who studied their opponent the most, who didn't make the mistakes. So for us, our practices were hard, but it was more of the mental aspect of uh, fine-tuning the opposing team and, for me, understanding the opposing offense being able to make the checks on time, making the checks right, making sure everyone's on the same page. So it was a mental portion that was a lot more rigorous uh, getting to the NFL, and especially on that run, it was a lot more uh, stressful, really, to be honest with you, because when the season was done, you know, I, I had a mental relaxation, a mental break more so than a physical break. Wow, that's a good point. Um, I think you had, what, three Pro Bowl seasons in your career, Jonathan, is that right? Yes, sir. One of which was the Super Bowl season. Would you, looking back now, would you say that was your best season overall as a pro? Uh, no, actually, I think mm. uh, one of my best seasons came my first time I went to Pro Bowl. I, I led the NFL in tackles, and the unfortunate part was that uh, that we went four and twelve that year. I was with the Jets. It was my second year, and we went four and twelve. I had a tremendous season, but it was it was very very sweet, and that that was actually a great uh, realization of how much I cared less about individual goals and stats, and I cared more about team goals and stats and winning. Uh, because even when I went to the Pro Bowl that year, I didn't really enjoy it because everyone there had been to the playoffs. Everyone there was talking about you know they were so close to getting to the NFC Championship game or getting to the Super Bowl, and all I could talk about was 4-12, and 12, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's right. not fun to talk about. So uh, I think that was probably my best year, but the, the most fun, the most productive, I would say it was probably uh, 2009 because the, my production equated to a lot more wins and a lot more victories. It seems like there was a unique mix um, on that roster, Jonathan, of guys that had been a part of the the, the first part of the Sean Payton program, and then guys like yourself that signed in the offseason or even at the end of the training camp of the Super Bowl season, yet you all mixed real well real quick. Um, Can you remember why that happened? I think it was was a great job of the guys who had been there. They were all in their prime. Uh, They all set the tone. Um, Guys like myself coming in that wanted to not only fit in uh, but also lead and, and lead in a productive way and be a, a positive uh, influence in the locker room. And I think it was also the coaching staff knowing when to back off, knowing when to push the issue, uh, relying on the, the veterans and the leaders 
of the team to kind of gauge the <clears throat> gauge the practices, gauge the the preparation for whatever it was a big game, uh, not perceived a big game, uh, an NFC Championship game. So I think it was definitely a, a nice mix, and there was a fine line where we knew what to do, how to do. We had the guidance from the coaches, and on top of that, the coaches knew when to back off a little bit. Jonathan Vilma with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We're looking back on Super Bowl 44. Jonathan, a lot of your teammates vividly remember all the things even around the game. They remember what they watched on TV waiting to go to the stadium that day. They remember, um, you know, the weather. I mean, specific, very specific things that led up to the game. Um, nobody's really given me a good media day story. How did you handle that circus uh, during the week? Man, I'm... <laughs> I'm surprised no one gave you a good media day tour yeah. because we almost didn't make media day. I mean, it was we come down to Miami and <laughs> coach coach gives us you know the, the your normal one night off uh, during the week of Super Bowl and we're in Miami, so of course we go out and we have a hell of a time. We shut the city down. I mean, we had everybody. I, I probably sixty percent of our teammates. Uh, back then, we're out and about. We're partying. We had a great time. We didn't get back to the hotel until 3, 4 in the morning. And then, oh, yeah, we had a wake-up call at 9 o'clock for media day. Well, that clearly didn't happen. We we we, we had half the team waking up at 9.30. The other half getting getting to the bus by, like, 10 o'clock. We had about five guys that didn't even make the bus. Had to be driven to, to sunlight to do the, the media day. So, I mean, it was, it was a... A great start and a horrible start at the same time to media day, and we didn't we we knew what to make of it because we had done all season, we had fun all season. Our coaches didn't really know what to make of it. They didn't know if we were taking it seriously or we were just having too much fun or we just need to be on lockdown the rest of the week. But I mean that that's what we did. We had fun. We had a good time. And when it was time to work. We, we worked. But uh, media day almost didn't happen for us. I mean we had we almost had a couple of no shows. Oh, man. All right. So there. It took me all the way to Jonathan Vilma to get a good media day story. Um, <laughs> and, and, and of course, I would imagine you were the Pied Piper having played your college football there, too, right? <laughs> I, I will say I did enjoy myself that night out like I had enjoyed myself all season. Uh, I I believe I was about five minutes late, though. I, I can't even lie and tell you I was, I was on time. I definitely wasn't. I was about five minutes late. And frankly, I did not care. <laughs> we did. We we just wanted to go get media day over with and move on. So. Well, you moved on, and and we get to game day. Um, you know, think of the four quarters against Indianapolis. When you close your eyes, you think about the game. What's first? What's first in your mind about the game? Oh man, first in my mind is thank God I had two weeks to prepare for Peyton Manning. Mm. I, I'll never forget that. That was. I watched every game of his, uh, memorized every check. I asked everybody I could that played against him that, that season um, to learn his checks, his dummy checks, when he's going to snap the ball, you know, his, his favorite routes for Dallas Clark. That's what I was going to be covering. So uh, that, that was really about it. Thank God I had so much time to prepare for Peyton. What, what translated then? What of all that prep translated into yeah. the game itself? Yeah, so the game was slowing down, and it was, I would say I got a beat on him, you know, by the second quarter, uh, kind of on his check to snap count, uh, where he was going to go with the ball, but you never really have Peyton figured out. 
So it was more about just getting a beat on him. And because of that, all that preparation, I felt a lot more comfortable making my checks and making them quickly, aggressively as the game went on. And uh, I think that we, we did a pretty good job. He had a lot of passing yards. We expected that to happen at the time, but, you know, they didn't put points up on the board. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I think you got a hand on a football, didn't you? Didn't you tip one of his passes as well? Yeah, I tipped one in the end zone. And I think the next play, they actually missed the field goal. So that was that was good. It was huge. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were about 27 years old when you won the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, right? That is correct. Okay. So, uh, 32 now, um, a Super Bowl champion. Um, I'd love to see you play football again. You may not want to at the age of 32. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but what, what do you think? What do you think being a Super Bowl champion, um, in combination with a, with three Pro Bowls and a great career and everything else, and a lifetime basically still ahead of you? Um, how will those two things be hand in hand, or will they? I, it, it seems like some guys just say, you know, that was a great time and, and, and I'm in a different place now, and others have said, this will be with me for the rest of my life. Where do you stand on all this? It'll definitely be with me the rest of my life. Uh, you, you never forget those times. I'll never forget that season with my teammates and how much fun I had and, and winning it all because that's what I worked for my whole career. And I was one of the fortunate ones to do it and not only get to the Super Bowl but win it. Um, it definitely won't define the rest of my life. Um, you know, it, I'm too smart for that. I have way too much fun and way too much ambition to do other things. But, you know, that was a lot of fun. I really do enjoy it. And, you know, frankly, I enjoy doing it not only for myself and the teammates, but the city of New Orleans. I mean, from, from the time we won it, even now when I'm not playing football, and I go out in the town, I'm eating at a restaurant, I'm at the airport. It's, it's nothing but love, and, and I can feel the genuine uh, respect, the, the, the genuine admiration from the fans for everything I put out on the field. I put my blood, sweat, and tears on the field, and they appreciate it. So that, that I'll always remember, and that I'm always appreciative of. You know, Jonathan, I'm glad you brought that up because it's interesting here in this town, and, and, and you guys collectively know this as well as anybody else, um, nobody says the Saints won the Super Bowl. Everybody says we won the Super Bowl. Um, and that seems to be okay. Yeah, that's a-okay with me. It, it is, it's true. You know, you, you have to have some good fans, good energy, good good people behind you, um, especially when the times got tough. We, we lost three in a row to end the season. And you didn't hear once the, the fans start to complain or – or rumble or say, well, we should make changes here and there. Everyone had faith in us. Everyone believed in us. And, you know, that that's refreshing. You don't get that often. You don't get that in a lot of other cities. Uh, so, for us, we really appreciated that season. We appreciate the fans as well. What what does it take for you to slide the Super Bowl ring on? Is it a night out? Is it, uh, is it just a, a, hey, I just want to throw it on there and see how it feels again? Or what's your routine with the ring? You know what, the routine – the routine was while I was playing to hide it and fight hard as hell to get another one. Um, I didn't get it. I actually pulled it out one time just to take a look at it. But, you know, I never really pull it out too often unless it's kind of like a, a special occasion or I'm, I'm going to meet people that kind of want to see the ring. But outside of that, you know, I just leave it there. I, I, don't, I don't need the ring. I like the ring. I don't need the ring. I have all the memories. You can't take that away from me. So, yeah, that's, that's what I do with the ring. If it's appropriate, if it's appropriate for me to say congratulations again here five years later, I'm just going to do it anyway. Congratulations again on being a Super Bowl champion. 
Uh, and thanks for sharing because this has been a lot of fun, John. Oh, thanks, John. I appreciate it. You got it. Jonathan Vilma, uh, captain, pro bowler, uh, Super Bowl 44 champion here with us on the Black and Blue Report. And our memory uh, trip down memory lane continues here in just a moment. Something about the tradition of it all. Even though Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew scratch off from the lottery, you could be feeling like a king with up to $3,000 or even $12,000 in your back pocket. Stop and pick up Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew today. Now that's better than the good beans, baby. Must be at least 21 to purchase. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Our Super Bowl 44 conversation continues with one of our best friends here on the Black and Blue Report. John Stinchcomb joins us to talk about things five years ago. Can you remember vividly Super Bowl 44 even still, Mr. Stinchcomb, at your advanced age? Yes, sir. It's, uh, it's not a blur. It was such great memories, one right after the next. But, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's been five years, but I believe it. When you speak to people formally about Super Bowl 44 or just in casual conversation, what's the story that you tell the most? The story I tell the most is um, what well, it probably starts before the, the Super Bowl in that you know we had gone uh, for some of us we, that was the year that I was actually uh, fortunate enough to, to have made the Pro Bowl. So we flew out early and uh, got to go in the locker room and, and see all the Vikings players that were getting ready for the game. They were still, for lack of a better word, pissed uh, from the outcome of the NFC championship game. And uh, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday. We all went to dinner, which we usually wait till later in the week, but we knew that um, with Super Bowl, everything's crazy. So as an offensive line and quarterbacks, we always go to eat. Well, Super Bowl week, we went out early and ended up being the entire offense practically and just one of the nicer restaurants in Miami. Uh, and it, it just, for me, this was the quintessential, uh, su- the Super Bowl is more than just a football game moment because Franco Harris was uh, sitting at the table next to us and came and, and spent some time. Uh, Jared from Subway came and uh, he, he sat with us with Joe Rogan. So it just showed the circus that is the Super Bowl. It was a week-long event uh, where subsequently um, they, they also play a football game at some point in the middle of How did you guys balance the, the euphoria of delivering New Orleans its first Super Bowl appearance and yet still have to go win a football game against a pretty darn good football team? Well, it was, it's so cool uh, to have won it 
for New Orleans, playing with New Orleans, just because of the relationship between the, the city, its fans, and team. Um, uh, when you talk about the Super Bowl, uh, what's really cool is around New Orleans, after we won it, you go around and obviously you see the Fleur de Lis and then the Saints shirts and jerseys and bumper stickers. But when fans realize, you know, if you were a Saints player, the first thing they'd come up and tell you is thank you. It wasn't congratulations. It wasn't, hey, we're, we're glad you won. It was thank you because of the loyalty of the fans. It was, it was a win for them just as much as for the guys on the team, which is a really unique and, and cool deal uh, to be a part of. Think back to the weekend itself. You know, I, I think, I guess I'm trying to remember the calendar or the schedule, but I think that, that everyone speaks to the media for the last time on that Friday. And then it gets real quiet until uh, kickoff on Sunday. Uh, what happened between Friday's last public appearance and Sunday afternoon uh, that you remember most? Um, I remember watching Spaceballs in my hotel room, waiting, uh, waiting just to get to that locker room. I mean, the, the, the nerves get pretty high, uh, at least for me they did, as you approach that game. You start realizing and recognizing that millions of people are going to be watching this game. And for us, uh, you know, playing right tackle, uh, for Jamon and I, we're, we're going up against two of the best pass-rushing defensive ends in the country, um, and, and, and Mathis and Freeney. So uh, the, the nerves of, man, I really, I really don't want to give up a sack in a Super Bowl uh, with everybody watching and, and, and have it really affect the outcome of the game. So you're trying to do everything you can to keep your nerves in check. And uh, so, so that's my memory is watching space balls in my hotel room, just watching this clock barely tick by. Now, uh, what was nice is once you get to the locker room, for me, those nerves kind of subsided in that, boy, this is something that I've done since I was nine years old of, you know, getting your ankles taped and putting your pants in your uh, your pads in your pants and uh, putting the shoulder pads in the jersey. So then it just became part of the routine that we'd become so familiar. But that two-week period leading up to the game and, and that normal routine was uh, stressful, to say the least. You're not the first guy to remember exactly what they watched on television that day. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean – it's a night game, obviously, so you just have all these hours. And you, there's only so many meetings that, that you can go through and go to. Uh, I, I remember one of the meetings leading up to it, uh, Coach Payton asked, does anybody remember the runner-up to a, a specific Super Bowl? And, you know, it was only a handful of years before, and, and nobody could pull it up. And it was just highlighting, uh, you know, no, nobody really remembers the – also ran the runner-up in this race. So um, it, it, it is amazing all that goes into and leads up uh, to one game. John Stinchcomb here with us remembering Super Bowl Forty Four on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, John, in the game itself, you know, this is a game uh, just like uh, Sunday's game uh, between the uh, Patriots and the Seahawks. It's a game of all games in that everybody has something they want to say about how the game transpires, their analysis of it, and everything else. Um, when you think about Super Bowl 44 and how the game played out or the game plan that you all had, 
Uh, what's something that was never touched upon or was never completely understood about what you all were wanting to accomplish and what you did accomplish in that win? Huh. Well, there's there's a couple things that come to mind. Obviously, uh, everybody would uh, the, the key play is that onside kick, and we talked about that leading up to it in the right situation, and the, the half times are 30 minutes, so we all knew what we were coming back into. Um, but Dwight Freeney, the defensive end for, for the Colts at the time, is coming off a, an ankle injury or knee, I mean, pretty sure his ankle. But he was, he was questionable leading up to We were expecting him to play. Um, but with Indianapolis getting the ball in that long halftime, it was a, a big swing for us that we recover that onside kick and Freeney still – getting retaped on his on his ankle and getting back out there so it was almost like we were able to steal a series from them without one of their best uh, pass rushers able to, to get back in the game that quick of a turnaround I'm sure he was expecting at least a few minutes of Indianapolis having the ball so that was a big swing I also remember in the fourth quarter um, it's late in the game we're up by seven at the time we're offenses on the bench I'm sitting next to Goody uh, Jonathan Goodwin, the center. And you, you, for those folks that had told us who had played in the game or experienced those big moments, they said you have to find some moment during that game and just take a look around and, and take it all in. So we're in the fourth quarter, and we're up by seven. And, um, you know, Peyton Manning has the ball, and you don't know how it's going to end. But I'm sitting next to Goody, and I say, Goody, you know, there's – Six minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and we're up by seven. And we're just kind of taking in the moment, looking around the stadium, uh, you know, watching watching the defense play. And obviously, Tracy Porter picks off the ball, runs it in for a touchdown, and, and euphoria ensues. But at that moment, it was, you know, we did we weren't sure. Uh, anytime Peyton Manning has a ball, and it anything can happen. So just to take that moment and, and look around and, and realize that you're living out a dream that you've had since you played backyard ball at the, with the neighborhood kids uh, was really special for us. And did you sleep before you got back to New Orleans? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you, you can sleep later. After the game, it was, it was such a cool deal. Um, you know, Kenny Chesney was up on stage in, in the hotel when we were having the, the team party, and I'm sitting at the table with my family, just still numb in the fact that we just won a, a Super Bowl. And uh, Harry Connick Jr. is sitting at our table. Um, and we talk for 45 minutes, an hour, like we're best buddies. I got my cousin who's who lives in Seattle. She was in town, and... You know, Harry, I don't know what he was doing. He got up to get a drink or go get some more food or something. She, she asked me, she's like, how long have you known Harry Conning Jr.? And I said, well, I met him about 40 minutes ago. <laughs> but it was just, I mean, it was one of those deals. It was just such a cool experience. And no, you, what you didn't do was sleep until until we got back from the plane flight and uh, you realized that, man, we just, we just won a Super Bowl. Really, really cool. And how many times have you talked to Harry Connick uh, Jr. since then, uh, Stinch? That would that would be none, my <laughs> good man. And he, uh, for some reason, I don't know if he lost my number in his Rolodex or what. But 
that was the last one. In all in all seriousness, how would you say winning Super Bowl forty four has changed your life in the last five years? What's funny is that um, I, I was just talking to my wife about it this week, and uh, I, I feel very fortunate to have played for eight years in the league and uh, a Pro Bowl and all these things, and, and just really grateful for the game of football. But when I'm introduced and I'm going to speak to schools or churches or wherever I'm at, they introduce me as a, as a former Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl winning champion John Stinchko. So that's, that's the, the tag um, that I've been given, and it's, it's off of one game. And it, I'm just thinking, how about all those other guys, all the other players out there that have played 10, 12 years, I mean, great, great players, great careers, um, that don't have that attached to them. And it's, it's almost you're so grateful for that experience, but you just think, man, all those other guys, that it poured into the game and, and it really brought a lot to it that uh, weren't as fortunate as I was to have experienced such a cool uh, life experience. I mean, it was really, really something special. Well, my friend, take this for what you will, but every time I end a conversation with you, I'm smiling. And so I'm smiling again, <laughs> and I appreciate you coming on to tell me some of those stories. Well, it's good stuff. It was good. To, you know, I would be remiss to say that. Uh, one of the major highlights for me, and I'll, I'll wrap it up, but um, after the Super Bowl, there was a, a USO trip opportunity, and obviously Drew is huge with USO, but he was already signed up to go on another USO trip to Djibouti and I want to say Dubai. Mm-hmm. So they, I was fortunate enough to go on a two-week USO trip with James Gandolfini, Tony Sirico, and... Um, Rose McGowan to Afghanistan and Kuwait on the way back and we stopped at three major Air Force bases and and a uh, forward operating base and um, that is probably one of my favorite memories of of, in life of one of the coolest experiences it was once in a lifetime opportunity after the next Um, and, and in my mind it's all because of the Super Bowl. So it was, uh, I'll throw that in on the list of, of really cool things that happened just because of one football game. Well, I would say that should be near the top of the list. That's pretty incredible. I'm glad you threw that it in was, there. Yeah, it was good stuff. Really good stuff. Man, oh man. All right. Well, always a Super Bowl champion. That's the best part about it. And, uh, and Stinch, thanks again for sharing those memories with us. I can't wait to see you again down the road here. Sounds good, Sean. Thanks for having me on, and especially talking about good stuff like a Super Bowl. <laughs> Easily done. Very good. The New Orleans Pelicans are having a sale. Right now, pick any three games for as low as $24 with the Special Man plan. I want to go to the Bulls, Pacers, and Heat. You have to see the Special Man. Let him have it. With no problem. Say, I say, you say, I say. Get your Pelicans three-game plan today. See the special man. I got the $24. Let them have it. We'll put you in a great seat today with no problem. Visit pelicans.com to get your special man plan today. Hi, I'm Lisa Albright. I'm 36 years old. I had the perfect life. It was everything I ever dreamed about until two weeks ago. 
I was standing in line at the grocery store, leaning over to empty my cart when I heard it. Mommy, why are her pants too big in the back? And that's when it hit me. I'm wearing mom jeans. Never again. I will look hot in yoga pants. That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Firm and Burn chocolate peanut butter smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get into those yoga pants. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. This is Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams right here on the Black and Blue Report tomorrow. It will be the interview that we conduct today for the Monty Williams radio show. So it's yours tomorrow in case you can't catch it on the radio tonight at 8 Central on WWL-FM. So that uh, visit will come to you, well, it will come to you from Oklahoma City, the site of the action for tomorrow night's game. Uh, Back home on Saturday to take on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Don't forget, Saturday home tips are at 6 p.m. So 6 p.m. and then patience going home. Um, I wasn't very patient last night with the... um, the ramp closure now to I-10 West and everything else. Um, just take a deep breath. Maybe, maybe you just stay after the game and uh, visit, socialize for a few minutes uh, on Saturday uh, before heading out. We'll all be uh, anxious to get home, I know, on a Saturday or get to your next thing on a Saturday night. But uh, as I learned last night, a few extra minutes of uh, patience or uh, just sitting tight probably will pay off for you, uh, to say the least. Uh, not only Monty Williams tomorrow, but maybe more of our Super Bowl 44 commemoration uh, we're waiting on word from a couple of the other guys to see if they're able to join us tomorrow. If not, we'll talk basketball and, and whatever else, you know, whatever else uh, pops up for us here on campus and from Oklahoma City. Uh, Tony Douglas, by the way, is the newest Pelican, and uh, we'll effort to, between now and, and, and the next couple of games and whatnot to, to let you get to know him a little bit. He's a Florida State guy. Uh, he has had time in the league, including playoff experience. He most recently was playing in China, and he's here now on a 10-day contract with the Pelicans, and um, we'll see if he's in action tomorrow night for the Pels or Saturday against the Chicago Bulls. That'll pretty much do it here for us at Studio B uh, on the campus of the Saints and the Pelicans. For Daniel Sowers and I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Enjoy that sunshine. It feels like we haven't seen it in a while. Those of you here on the Gulf Coast, otherwise, the rest of you, try and stay warm. And we'll see you right here next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.